Well, amen. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and uh, verse 14, and we'll get there here in just a second. Uh, but can I share just a few things with you just to kind of rejoice? Uh, first off, uh, the scariest moment for me as a pastor is when somebody tells me Shane's doing announcements. <laughs> is anybody with me? I mean, it's like... <laughs> So to tell you about Shane, uh, Shane is our children's director, and I don't know if you can understand this or not, but God has designed him perfectly for that. Can I get an amen? He loves on students, he cares for students, but it's just like handing a kid a microphone every time you walk up on stage. Uh, but it is perfectly wired for that purpose. Another thing that I want to celebrate with you, um, we had a lock-in uh, this past Friday and Saturday night, and so if you see some people not off, uh, just know that they were in church on Friday night for 24 hours, okay? Uh, so just, I, I'm a little bit more understanding of them, uh, but there were 80, uh, somewhere around 80 students here, and listen yeah. to me, that's, that's an incredible thing, yeah. Uh, it was neat uh, because our, parts of our worship team were here and led worship, and then uh, Pat came up and delivered a fantastic message, uh, but just a very straightforward message on the gospel. And I was, I was sitting in the back side of the room, and I was listening to him, and I was probably trying to do more crowd control. I went to old school youth pastor, uh, trying to kind of keep some people quiet so that they were paying attention. Uh, but as I looked around, here's the thing that amazed me about it. Most of these students had never sat through a church service. I mean, it, it was so evident that they didn't know why we were singing. They didn't know why somebody was up there talking. It was more like a teacher in a classroom type setting. Uh, but I want you to know, 80 students in the midst of a hurricane, canceling it, bringing it back on, heard about Jesus Christ yeah. Friday night. One of those uh, was my child. Um, something that we had been talking about for a while in our household, and I asked her for permission if I could share this. Uh, but she came up to me afterwards and she said, Daddy, I need to get saved. And I said, Man, can you just. One of her friends that was with her, listen, there's multiple kids that night that heard about Jesus and placed their faith and trust in Christ. And that is why we do what we do. Uh, it was so funny. As I was driving home, uh, we looked right next to us, and Robert, uh, what, can you just wave? Are you awake? <laughs> we, were, we were in the car, like, right next to him, and he had stayed all night, and he had this car full of boys, and I look over, and Robert is 10 and 2. <laughs> and you could just see on his face, it looked like this, please get me home, God. <laughs> And it was just one of those moments where just God is at work. And I want you to understand, not only is God at work in our church, he's at work in our community. He is at work. And I don't know about you, but after COVID and seeing people kind of disperse, I am so thankful to see God working. Amen. Uh, this morning, if you notice, we have our kids in here. This is our family first Sunday. Uh, so I would ask you, if you see one of those kids, can you just give them a, a high five right now and just tell them that you're glad that they're in here? Listen, the reason that we do this, and I say this just about every time that we, we have this, um, is we, one of the gaps, one of the greatest gaps in church is when kids graduate high school, they don't feel a part of the church. So we take it as an initiative. Look, the kids would rather be with really cool Mr. Shane than with me this morning. You would probably... 
Wasn't expecting an amen there. Uh, <laughs> the adults, I promise you, moms and dads would probably rather have their kids in the children's ministry rather than trying to hold their hand and go, hey, he's almost done. Okay, listen, we understand all those things, but we want them to know this is their church. This is where they worship. This is where we come together and worship, uh, worship the Lord. And so uh, this morning, as we continue our series on awakening, uh, I think what a, what a fitting understanding for us. Uh, but I want you to stop and just pause just for a second. And I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different. I'm going to ask you to stop and just pray for one thing. Just pray for one thing. You go, well, you didn't tell me what to pray for. Just pray for one thing, whatever comes to your heart. Ready, go. We'll come back to this here in just a second. But how many of you have ever made a bad decision? How many of you feel like staying up all night was a bad decision <laughs> with the lock-in, different things like that? Uh, maybe it was a purchase. Uh, maybe it was something that you got home and you were like, why did I do this? Uh, maybe you spent too much on something and you couldn't eat on Thursday and Friday. Uh, maybe it was something that you just didn't really know that you wanted until you saw it and you had to have it. Anybody ever just make a bad decision like that? Uh, maybe you can look at it and say, well, why did I do this? Maybe it was a really good salesman. Maybe it was an impulse buy. Uh, whatever the case, all of us have made a bad decision. Can I talk to the kids for just a second? Have you ever made a bad decision and your parents helped you understand it was a bad decision? Any of those in here? Good, gotcha. Uh, they explained the why and why this was this way. And you thought it would be completely acceptable to pull a prank on your mom and it wasn't? Man, we make these mistakes and we make these decisions. I love this story of a lady who lives in Atlanta, uh, Miss Alizi, uh, who lives in Atlanta, was at her local Walmart picking up house supplies when her mind turned to toilet paper. Now, this was in the midst of the COVID scare in the beginning, and she already had four rolls, and because she lives alone and was working overtime shifts as an ICU nurse, that was more than enough. But the impulse took stockpile, impulse to stockpile proved unavoidable. I saw a Walmart employee wheel out a whole stack of toilet paper from the back and head towards the toilet paper section. She said, I followed him there and took a 20 pack night, right from the shelf. When she got home to her bedroom apartment, Miss Elise realized that she had nowhere to store all of this toilet paper. Then she realized something else. It felt a little rough. She said, I checked the packaging and it was only single ply. <laughs> she tried to pawn it off on her family members and nobody wanted it. The biggest life lesson I learned during this experience is that toilet paper will come back in stock. <laughs> have you ever been in that situation where you just had to have something, you knew that there was a shortage or something was taking place and then listen, nobody likes single ply. Can I get an amen on that? Even, it's better than no ply, gotcha. Uh, but you think about this. How to make wise decisions. Sometimes we make really wise decisions and sometimes we look like a complete genius. And, and it's interesting that sometimes it, it just kind of all falls together. <clears throat> but the reality is we need help with our decision making. Can I get an amen? 
We need genuine help to help us make decisions, to help us make wise decisions. And, and I want you to understand, not only does scripture lay this out for us, but it gives us a clear understanding. And so when we talk about wise decisions, our key verse is Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14. And by this point, you can kind of have it memorized. It says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, when you think about awake, O sleeper, this is Paul telling them, it is time to awaken. It is time to wake up. And listen, what he's talking about in this passage and this understanding this morning is it's time to make wise decisions. I want you to evaluate just for a second. What are some of the bad decisions that you've made in the past year? What are some of the bad decisions that you've made in the past week? And I would tell you that as believers, it is far time for us to begin to make wise decisions and to stop making foolish decisions. I love that in King Hezekiah's understanding, he decided to make a wise decision. And I love that in this Second Chronicles chapter 30, and we'll look at this passage, and I love what it lays out. But he starts because he wants to make a wise decision similar to what we just started. Now, I want to ask you, what was the one thing that you prayed for? Maybe it was for yourself or something along those lines. Maybe it was for somebody that was lost. Maybe it was for a decision that you're getting ready to make. But I want you to understand one of the things that we need to pray for is wisdom. I ask you, when was the last time that you prayed for wisdom? When was the last time that you took a decision to the Lord and said, God, I need your help in this. I don't know what's right. I need to go in this direction, but I'm just not sure. It's interesting that when both of my girls were born, they did not come with a manual. And so we had to figure out how are we going to raise these girls and listen, a fun fact about Jeff Hubbard, Jeff Hubbard knew nothing about girls. I had a brother and a little sister who's 10 years younger than I am. And I had told my wife, we won't have daughters. We will only have boys. I know how to make a boy a man. I didn't know how to make a daughter, period. <laughs> Just... I, and I'm amazed because God has given me this understanding. But listen, it has come prayer after prayer after prayer. God, what do we do when boys start liking my daughter? Now, the simple answer is kill them. <laughs> but apparently that's not acceptable in all circles of life. So then I began to pray and go, God, do you want me to start a prison ministry? Because I will. <laughs> but look, every prayer is this prayer of going, God, what do I do in this situation? Have you ever had one of your kids walk up to you and begin to talk to you and go, and you're sitting there and you're hoping that they talk longer because you have no idea how to respond? Just tell me more about it. Which, just so you know, kids, is parents trying to figure out what to say to you. <laughs> you wonder and you go, what am I going to do? King Hezekiah came to this exact same understanding. Realized that King Hezekiah, at this point, had completely transitioned from his dad's regime that was far from God 
to him taking the initiative to say, we will be a kingdom, we will be a people that is close to God, that we will build this relationship with God and we will grow in our faith. So he'd done all of these initiatives. He had changed all of this culture and he comes up to this place where a decision has to be made. And he starts it with what's called intercessory prayer that you would pray on behalf of somebody else. In 2 Chronicles chapter 30 and verse 18, it says, For a majority of the people, many of them of Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not cleansed themselves. Now, to give kind of credence and understanding, they were celebrating the Passover feast. If you want to understand a little bit about the nature that reflects who God is, the Passover feast is one of those feasts that I would tell you to study. But I want you to understand, this wasn't just inviting a bunch of people over, having dinner and celebrating and then sending them back home. There was a preparation process that would go into this feast. And so it's similar to what we look at as when we invite people over. But involved in this feast specifically is a self-cleansing to make sure that your household is completely clean. So if you study this out, like, you're, like I am, I'm kind of a Bible nerd. So I just, I love seeing these things. One of the things that they would do is they would clear any unleavened bread out of their house. Now to tell you the detail of this, they would go through every seat cushion, every couch cushion, every bedroom, every place where there could possibly be a crumb and they would make sure that it was gone. And then they would go into the kitchen area where they prepared food and they would make sure everything that had touched unleavened bread would not be used. They would clean everything. How many of you are excited about going through the cleansing process for the Passover feast? Listen, not only would they clean everything, they would consecrate themselves. They would prepare their hearts. They would eliminate everything from their, from their mind. They would go through a process of two weeks of making sure that no unleavened bread would touch their lips or be in their body before the Passover feast. Now, how many of you are excited about no carving for two weeks just so that you can eat uncarbed food? Listen, the kosher process that they would go through was so stringent that they had to make sure that nothing could defile or nothing could go against this Passover. So they come to this place where King Hezekiah has called all of these tribes, all of these people together to celebrate the Passover, but his decision could have been this. I'm sorry you haven't cleansed yourself well enough to participate. But he did something unique and different. He goes to this, for a majority of the people, many of them from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not cleansed themselves, yet they ate the Passover otherwise than as prescribed. Why? For Hezekiah prayed for them saying, May the good Lord pardon everyone who sets his heart to seek God, the Lord, the God of his fathers, even though not according to the sanctuary's rules of cleanliness. Now, I want you to understand because this mirror images our responsibility in ministry sometimes. 
It was interesting that I watched uh, 80 students here in the church that didn't know how to act in the church. Man, when you think about some of the ways that, some of the things, the food and the different things that have taken place in church. And listen, we as Christians can do this very, very, very easily. When we see somebody walk into those doors and come and sit in our congregation, we begin to look at them and go, they don't belong here. King Hezekiah's prayer should be the exact same prayer of ours that says, we welcome everybody that walks in those doors and we pray that God would change their heart immensely. Amen. It's interesting that his prayer was, I know that they haven't done things right, but God, please forgive them. Do you know that this was an active part of Jesus' ministry? Jesus was constantly criticized. Why are you talking to Zacchaeus? Why are you having a... This guy has tax collected us and stolen from us for years. Why are you even talking to him? He says, I'm going to go to your house tonight. The woman at the well, from a place that Jews did not talk to Samaritans, He talks to this lady at the well and he says, hey, can you get me a cup of water? She says, why are you even talking to me? She begins to express and he calls her out on her sin and he says, not only your sin, but the fact that the person that you're with is not even your husband at this time. Listen, it doesn't matter what people look like when they walk into this place but it should matter what they look like when they walk out of here. He continues with this so that we see God's response that this wasn't just an intercessory prayer, a prayer on behalf of them. The Lord heard it and responded to it. In verse 20, and the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. He cleansed them, he consecrated them. And the people of Israel who were present at Jerusalem kept the feast of the unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing with all of their might to the Lord. Catch this. The people that weren't prepared, that didn't know what they were walking into, walked in and experienced the love of Christ and didn't leave. They celebrated, they worshiped for seven days. I don't know about you, but as I was listening to Brian and the worship team sing this morning, I could have listened to them for the next seven years. Amen? And Hezekiah spoke encouragingly to all the Levites who showed good skill in the service of the Lord. So they ate the food of the festival for seven days sacrificing peace offerings and giving thanks to the Lord, the God of their fathers. There's an interesting understanding of this sacrificial animal that goes with this. But I'll save that for another message. But right before them, they were seeing this incredible act of God begin to move in this place. For years, there was desolation. There were people that were not worshiping God. They didn't even have enough priests that were cleansed to be able to handle this workload. And God was moving in such a way that the people get to this decision in chapter 30 and verse 23. 
we don't want to leave. We don't, we don't want to go away from here. Can we extend this festival for seven more days? And it's interesting that that's a decision now for King Hezekiah. Imagine King Hezekiah had already put in all of this work, all of this understanding. He had laid it out. He had gotten the results that he genuinely desired. The people had turned back to God. They said, hey, we want to do this more. Hey, we want to do this longer. Can I tell you a fun fact as a pastor? Nobody has ever come up to me after a sermon and said, I wish you would have preached for seven more days. <laughs> Maybe today will be that day. Hey, pastor, can you just, can you keep preaching? Can you have the worship team come forward? And let's, let's just not go to work this week and let's just praise the Lord. Okay, two of us. But this crazy cost was about to be portrayed. King Hezekiah had already contributed a ton towards this feast. But to understand the cost, if you read through this passage of scripture, it would cost King Hezekiah a thousand bulls and seven thousand sheep to continue this one more week. The princes also gave a thousand bulls and ten thousand sheep. Now imagine that for the next seven days, this was going to be the sacrificial animal cost and the cost of the food for the Passover. I want you to think with me for a second. Because we see King Hezekiah make this wise decision, this understanding of what it means to genuinely trust the Lord. He prayed for intercessory prayer on behalf of these people to come to know the Lord, to worship the Lord, but now he's faced with a decision. Hezekiah, how much will you give to see the people continue to turn towards God? And I think in this moment, Hezekiah's faith was tested. And he had almost this awakening that maybe it's going to cost me a lot to serve the Lord. And I would tell you the same thing is true of today. I promise you, all of those volunteers that stayed up all night, it cost them two days to recover. the money that's put into an event like that to feed them, to house them, to entertain them so that they would hear about Christ. I think sometimes we may get to this intercessory prayer where we pray for people to come to know Christ, but when it actually costs us time, money, effort, that's where we pause. Well, here, let me, let me let you go see Pastor Jeff. He's, he's got a master's degree in theology. He can answer any question to you. And listen, I love these conversations. But I tell you, your responsibility is to show them the love of Christ, help them understand what it means to place their faith and trust in Christ, and to disciple them. Amen. You go, Whew. isn't that what we pay you to do? No. 
You pay me to lead a church, to disciple a church, to train you and equip you so that you can do these things. You say, man, this may cost me a lot of time. I've had the honor and privilege of discipling a few individuals. One of the ones is a guy named Robert Dickerson who's camping at this time. For a year, Robert would come to my office and we would spend an hour just on spiritual growth. And I remember sometimes thinking, going, man, I got so much to do. Do I really have time to pull this off? And he's, he's 62 years old. I was in my 30s at that part. I was wondering, what can I offer him? And the Lord said, I've called you to do this. You prayed that God would send you somebody that you could lead to Christ and disciple. And I've done my part. Are you willing to do your part? Listen, for the past couple of years, the majority of people in the church have said, I won't. I'm telling you, there needs to be an awakening in your hearts and an awakening in your soul to understand the purpose of why God has placed you here so that you would lead people to Christ and disciple them. I love the correlation of what it means to make wise decisions. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15 Paul kind of follows up with this same understanding of what King Hezekiah was laying out before them. And he tells us these words, look carefully how you walk. Now, I don't know about you, but the older that I get, the less I see under my feet. Anybody with me? And there's these little trip hazards. And sometimes I'll be walking along and just... Sniper, just, I mean, out of nowhere. Anybody with me? And sometimes I think, I can't just walk like this all the time. Because then I would run into people and I'd be like a teenager on his phone all the time. Like little zombies. What does it mean to look carefully how I am to walk? I love that scripture gives that answer. Not as unwise, but wise. Now, this comes with a little bit of a self-evaluation for us. In what ways are you not walking wise? In what ways is there foolishness that's taking place in your path and you're continually running towards it? But I love, not only does he answer the wise and unwise comment, he lays it out a little, a little bit further. And he says, making the best use of the time. And I think this is something that haunts me in the back of my mind. Efficiency and time schedule and getting things done and all those things continually weigh on me because of this verse. Because the days are evil. Look, 
for a while now, the congregation, the people within the church have been walking unwise and foolish. And we've been wasting time hoping that something's going to change, hoping that something is going to take place, all the while not looking internally and saying, I will be the person that quits wasting time. Listen, I don't know about you, but you can waste more time on your phone than ever before. Anybody get their screen report from Apple this morning? You're up 4%. Stop, it was a hurricane. Come on, Apple. We waste more time here rather than being intentional about being with people, sharing the gospel message to them. You spend more time strategizing how you will take the time to do your hobby than you do reaching the lost. Every one of you knows that there's a neighbor in your neighborhood that doesn't know Christ. There's a coworker, there's somebody around you that doesn't know who Jesus is. And every day you walk past them, every day you waste the time that you could be talking to them about Christ. He closes this, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand the will of the Lord. I would tell you, carefully make your decisions, make the best use of your time, but also on this note, quit making foolish decisions. There's kind of this inept attitude within our society right now. It says, it's funny to watch people make dumb decision after dumb decision after dumb decision. Now, as funny and as entertaining as those videos can be, and I've watched plenty of them, and I've laughed numerous times at people doing silly stuff. We've got to quit laughing at people that are mocking God and begin to show them his love. Quit making foolish decisions. Let me close with this. Are you living a wise or unwise life? To understand this a little bit further, this means that we would bathe everything in prayer. To understand this from a, a quote, prayer does not bring the awakening, prayer is the awakening. And I'll tell you, the way that you make wise decisions, the way that you make sure that you're going in the same direction that God is, is the same way that Hezekiah did. The same way that Paul did. He said, bathe everything in prayer. Listen, for us to move in a direction, to go anywhere, God wants us to come to him and say, God, lead me, guide me, and direct me. Can I speak to the kids just for a second? Look, you're going to be in so many situations, and teachers are going to tell you so many different things, and friends are going to tell you so many different things that you should do. Do you know the one person that you should listen to other than your parents? is God. Pray about everything. I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. 
He gives an illustration. If you remember the old um, tower bell that would call worship for church, the priest or whoever would go to that, that rope and pull the rope and the bell would begin to ring. He says it this way. Prayer pulls the rope down below and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. He says, Some scarcely stir the bell, for they play, pray so languidly or infrequently. Others give an occasional jerk at the rope. But he who communicates with heaven is the man who, who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continually with all of his might. One of the things I'm guilty of is looking at God going, hey God, catch up. And God goes, I made you. And instead of spending a season in prayer, I feel like I already know the answer, so I just begin to move and go forward. I tell you, it's cost me a lot of unwise decisions. So I tell you, it's time to make wise decisions. It's time to put things to the Lord in prayer. It's time to evaluate whether our decisions truly honor the Lord. It's time to stop being foolish. Can I challenge you as we close? When was the last time you genuinely talked to God? When was the last time that you spent time in prayer seeking the Lord's direction? Look, for me, it's easy. This is kind of a part of my job. The reality is most of the time when you get in my car, it's quiet. Unless my kids are there. Because I try to spend the majority of my time in my car in prayer. Now, most of the time it's praying that people would get out of my way. <laughs> but the other half of it is praying for others. Praying for God to lead. Praying for God to guide. Praying for God to give wisdom and direction. Praying for a family situation or praying for an individual that I just saw a look on their face that was hurting. One of the things that's somewhat times the most awkward to us is to actually stop because we're so busy with everything around us and bow before Christ just talk. Look, reading scripture, the most valuable voice in my head is this. But God wants to hear from me also. When was the last time you genuinely spent time in prayer? Look, if you're evaluating some of the decisions that you're making and going, man, I don't know if Pastor Jeff follows me around, but I've made unwise decision after unwise decision after unwise decision. Now I'll tell you, it's common for all of us that are not bowing before the Lord in prayer 
and reading scripture. So I tell you this morning, spend time in prayer with God. So as the worship team comes forward, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you to just remain in your seat. Just stay put. And maybe for the first time in a while, spend time in prayer with him. If everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes just for a second. Dear Father, I come to you. Lord, humbled and thankful for the way that you love us. Lord, thankful that you are not a God that's far away from us. Lord, that you are a God that is close to us. Father, we know this based on your scripture, based on the way that you've talked to us. Lord, I pray for those that are in this room this morning. Lord, that prayer would not be a a, a distant thing from them, but it would be the first place they run to. Lord, I know for me there's people that I call based on wisdom or business experience or pastoral ministry or all kinds of different things. But Lord, may I call upon you first. Father, be with us this morning. In Christ's precious and only name we pray, amen. As you stay seated, as the worship team sings this song, I would ask you just to stay in kind of a a posture and an attitude of prayer. Just spend time seeking the Lord. Spend time talking to him as the worship team sings this morning.